You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. I just want to bring a very simple message to you today. The message is called Coming Down from a High. Coming Down from a High. You see, one of the first things going to happen after this service is you're going to come back to the planet called Earth. Family. Somebody once said, God gives us a family to prepare us for our enemies. Thanksgiving is coming. You know, when you invite everybody around from your family, privately you go, why do we keep inviting them back? Well, they're family. Yeah, but they're not. We hate them. And then Christmas is coming and it repeats. Just joking. Just sharing my own personal feelings. I just needed to get it off my chest, really. I can't do it back in my own church because they'll know how unspiritual I am. (laughs) Coming down from a high. Let's uh, take a look. It's everything I'm going to talk about this morning for a few moments is found in John's Gospel. And, uh, and, oh, it's not in John's Gospel. Oh, it's in Mark. Oh, wow, it's changed. Okay, Mark chapter 9. Yeah, I should, I should remember Mark, really, shouldn't I? I'm named Mark. Okay. <laughs> After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led him up to a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anybody in the world could ever bleach them. There appeared before them, are you ready? Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, teacher, uh, kind of, sir, it's good for us to be here. Why don't we put up three shelters? The Greek word for shelter there can mean tent or mansion, so whatever happens in your mind, put that thing up. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. It doesn't matter about us. In brackets, I love the brackets. He didn't know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly they looked around, and they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. That is the word of the Lord. Please take your seats, shall we, this morning. Wonderful. Coming down from a high. Do you know, at the very, very best, at the very best, this is a weird passage of the Bible. Mark's gospel, it's pretty unusual. And if if this is your first time in church, you're probably going, "Uh, I I don't understand it. Well, who does understand it? But let's just recap, ladies and gentlemen, good friends here this morning, and just want to say to you how much we love your pastors because I I just feel in my heart I need to, I want to say that, don't need to say it, but I want to say it because just for the last three to four years, we have known Pastor Jürgen, Leanne, their family, and all of you good, amazing people on the team and the staff and everybody in the worship team. And and I could go on and on and on. Our our hearts are filled with love. And you know, God is so good that he sends people into your life to help you. 
And you know, some people have been pastoring for 10 years, 20 years, 31 years, and it's really not, not to do with the length of time that you pastor. It's to do with the people that God sends into your world. And I'm forever grateful, so thank you. Let's give it up for your pastors, shall we, this morning? Appreciate them. Appreciate them. So if we were to recap this into modern English or American English, whichever you prefer to speak, then, um, then we, we have to think about the reality of what's happening here. Peter, James, and John somehow, maybe they won the tombola, and they got a ticket to go up the mountain, and the other disciples, who are now annoyed because they didn't get the ticket to go up the mountain, on this occasion, we don't know why Peter, James, and John, but it appears that they were the three closest to Jesus. So don't tell me there are degrees of closeness to Jesus, because there are. I mean, John wrote in his gospel, I am the one that Jesus loved. Well, you can only write that in John's gospel, can't you? <laughs> you notice Mark never referred to John <laughs> and Matthew and, and Luke. It's only John that actually in his email wrote, I am the one that Jesus loved. All right, some of you get that tomorrow. So the three go up the mountain. When they get there, there's nobody there. And then all of a sudden, they get engulfed in a cloud. Jesus, almost like changing into a Superman outfit. I'm not trying to be uh, anything but uh, kind of real, but I, I'm not trying to be jokey, if you know what I mean. I'm just trying to get us to see it in fresh light because you have to reread the Bible sometimes to see it as it is because we read the transfiguration. Every time as a child and as a young adult, I read the transfiguration, I switched off. Because I think, I have no idea, that I've never seen the transfiguration, I don't know what that means, so I, I skipped this passage. And so I want to bring to you the reality of this passage. So Jesus turns into his, his clothes, he has a quick change of outfit and a quick change of appearance, whereby he changes into a white outfit and his clothes are gleaming. Do you know what the original Greek actual translation of this is? His, his clothes became whiter than any launderer's soap could make them. That's what it like literally says. I love the Bible because it tells you as it is. So ladies, if you think your washing is great, hey, yeah, you should see Jesus' washing. So Jesus changes as a cloud. Jesus becomes bright white. And then all of a sudden, two guys turn up that they haven't seen for a while. Now, if you're not familiar with the Bible, Moses was not around at the same time as Jesus. He'd been dead, ready, for 1,500 years. And he pops back out on the mountain. Elijah, for those of you not familiar with the Bible, wasn't around with Jesus either. Neither was he around at the same time as Moses. He'd been dead with for 900 years. Now, in reality, 600 years between the two of them. It doesn't really matter. I mean, dead is dead. It doesn't really matter how long you were. And of course, I want you to know I believe in the resurrection and I want to encourage you two today as well because I want you to think about life that if you don't believe in the resurrection, when you die, that's it. Close your eyes and go, that's it. That's inconceivable, friends. There is nothing after this. This is a silly game if there is no resurrection. So welcome to the world and the church called the church of the resurrection. We believe in it. So Moses 
After 1,500 years of being dead, suddenly on a mountain in a cloud with Jesus with incredibly whitewashing appears. And so does Elijah. They have a little chat. We don't know what they're talking about. Maybe they're talking about the fact that heaven is wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. It's so wonderful in heaven. Can we go back, please, now that we've done our little show? That was Mark's gospel. Mine. All right. I just made it up, basically. And uh, so we have them talking about something that we don't know what they're talking about. And then from the cloud, a voice speaks. I mean, have you ever heard a cloud speak? And it is, this is my beloved son, whom I am well pleased, listen to him. Then it's all over. Apart from, not to mention, of course, that Peter says, hey, it's good for us to be here. Why don't we put up three shelters, build three mansions, and we can stay here? Isn't it amazing how you always want to stay on a mountaintop? Oh, I'm loving this. Maybe you're like this. When I was a child and I went to church, I couldn't wait to get out of church. My grandkids now want to live at our church. That's a great sign of a church when your kids want to come and you want to come. And maybe you want to, oh, please let me sit here and linger a bit longer in the presence of God. I understand all of that. But the reality is Jesus never batted an eyelid. He never said a, a word about the three shelters. He never even answered them. But instead say, oi, off you go, back down the mountain. But don't say a word. Can you imagine that? Don't say a word. Uh, I'd be running down the mountain. Hey, everybody, I've just seen Moses. And Elijah, we saw a cloud and God spoke. And, 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 and that's what you're going to do. Shh, don't tell anybody. Coming down from a high. Have you ever asked yourself why it is that megastars of stage, screen, field, TV, don't do life well? I suggest, friends, it is because of this reason nobody has taught them how to come down from a high. On a Saturday or a Sunday, whatever, you play that strange sport that you play in this country. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I went to Pastor Jürgen's son's football. Was it called football? It was called football. However, I noticed the ball wasn't round. Did they blow it up wrong? Anyway, so, and whatever day that thousands of people watching, millions, adulation, worship almost to human beings, and then they go home and try and get back into, and then their career is ended, and they die in a hotel room with alcohol and tablets. Isn't it amazing? Some of the most famous footballers in the United Kingdom that ever were didn't die famous only that they died drunk. And I'm not pointing a finger. I'm just making an observation. And you go, oh, terrible. Hey, hang on a bit before we talk to them. Let's talk to people that we call Christian, followers of Christ. We come to church and we get our fix. Wow. So, mate, oh, we loved it. And that's how you're supposed to feel. But the problem is, whether you live in England, America, Africa, any parts of the world, 
we have one thing in common right now, and that is Monday is coming. And we all have them. And we've all got real families. Some of you who are married have got demonic husbands. You think they're the devil. Well, they ain't. They may not be the sweetest man on the planet, but... And we've got real kids who are also minor demons running around the house, ripping the place to shreds. Isn't it amazing that you can have be a massive argument on the way, you said this and I said this, and you pull up at the church parking lot and you go, hello, praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. And you come into church, praise the Lord. You get back in the car. And while I'm at it, and, and you get back in the argument. You see, nobody tells us that we shouldn't be like that because that's called coming down from our high. We have the high of the church, and tomorrow I, nor Pastor Jürgen, nor none of your pastors or leaders are going to be in the office or the school or the college or at home or in bed with you tonight. Well, hopefully, if you know what I mean, excuse me for saying it that way, but uh, that was wrong, wasn't it, somehow? Please forgive me. Please edit that bit, but never mind. Uh, I'm from England. Just blame that. I have no idea what I'm talking about. But the truth is this. We don't have anybody holding our hand tomorrow at work saying this is the way to do it. You're on your own. You're on your own. Now, some of you could say, I don't believe in this kind of stuff that we've just read, this transfiguration. I mean, we, that's, it's unreal. Of course it's unreal. It's real, but it's unreal. It's It's real. It's just that we don't think it can happen. But excuse me, you do believe in it. You say, prove it. I'll prove it. Take, for instance, a caterpillar. Hello? Tiny little caterpillar. His world is wriggling and squiggling about in the dirt. If I told you, like my primary school junior school teacher told me that caterpillar becomes that butterfly by a process. Do you know I never said, you idiot? No way. I don't believe that. I've always believed it because it's true. But you know what? When some clever person saw a caterpillar and they saw it shed its skin, and then they turned into this amazing colorful butterfly. So you get this grotty, squirmy little thing that rubbing around, rolling around in the dirt, and then all of a sudden this incredible, graceful butterfly. Do you know, some clever person couldn't think of a word. So they borrowed one. Do you know where they borrowed it from? The Bible. They borrowed it from the Bible because it, when Jesus was transformed, the word in Greek is two words joined together and it's called metamorphosis. So before you diss the Bible and before you diss that can't happen, I want to introduce you to the world of the coming to know Jesus world. You see, Jesus didn't come to make you a better version or a souped up supercharged version of your neighbor. Jesus didn't come to lovely little caterpillar to give you a little tickle on your stomach, on your tummy. 
and to say, let me just brush you down. You know, lots of people think that the Christian life is Jesus just giving you a little tickle on a Sunday and coming to church and let me brush you down now. Get out of church and live your life. And you go, oh, just back to normal. He didn't come to improve your life. He came to resurrect your life. Is anybody out there? And it's called metamorphosis, where you shed your old through repentance, which means I say, no, this is the way I'm walking. Repentance is an old army word, and it means I'm walking this way. And when the commanding officers shouted in those days, repent, it meant to stop and change direction. That is what you need to do this morning in this service to stop and change direction and you will have a metamorphosis experience. Isn't it amazing? You can be high on drugs. There are guys in our church that would spend $250 a weekend on drink. I've asked them, how much did you used to spend? And they come to know Jesus and it stops. And no longer are they wriggling around on the floor, they're now flying with a butter, like a butterfly. And how did it happen? It's impossible for that to happen like that without this word metamorphosis. So I want you to know no matter how hard life is, no matter where you're at, no matter how deep the hole is that you're in, no matter how dirty the earth is that you're wriggling and squiggling around in, I want you to know Jesus comes to shed your old and to bring you to new life and it's called metamorphosis. I am the resurrection, says the Lord. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And today is your day, friends, and you can't work it up and you can't even really pray it down. You can only believe it and receive it by faith. So anyway, there we go, metamorphosis. Jesus was transformed. Now you believe in it because of the caterpillar and the butterfly. Isn't it amazing that Jesus never commented on, build me three shelters? He was like, don't be, don't be an idiot. Just get down the mountain. Back to real life. Now, friends, can I just say this with all the love in my heart? Be careful what you pray for. Be careful that you don't become a Christian that keeps annoying people by saying, I want to live on a mountaintop. You were never intended for that to be your permanent address. Can I call those super spiritual people right now in this service who want to be up there floating around on the mountaintop? Yeah? Can I call you down to the real world? And what I'm going to do this morning is build three shelters for you at the bottom. Because that's where we live. Nothing grows on a mountain. And after pastoring for 30 years, I've noticed that all the super spiritual people in my church don't grow. Hello. Now I've said it. They just keep shouting hallelujah in the services and annoying me. To draw, because they want to draw attention to themselves. Yeah. 
And there have been occasions I've addressed them in the service. I've also addressed them not in the service. And they still don't get the message. So we just chop their legs from under them in the service, carry them out, kicking and screaming. All right, come on, give me a bit of credit. Been doing this a long time. The people that grow, grow in valleys. The best grass, the best vegetation grows in valleys. So if you're in a valley right, oh, please, Jesus, get me out of this valley. He's going to go, no, that's where you're going to live. And I've lived long enough to know that my best growth is called pain. P-A-I-N. You may be married to it. Your family may be it. There's some couples over there nudging each other, I can see, and they're laughing to say, that's you. Yeah. <laughs> and they're nudging them back saying, no, it ain't, it's you. They're having a full-blown argument right now as I brought that up. Remember, the mountain was only a quick few-second affair. What was at the bottom? In fact, we can read what was at the bottom as we look again at Mark chapter 9. This is right at the bottom when they come down. So here they are. They're going to meet the really friendly other disciples who are really ticked off that they didn't go up the mountain. And when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teacher of the law arguing with them. And as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. And a man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed, there we go it, by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, you know, even the ones on the mountaintop, and they couldn't do it. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I? Okay, let's finish there. Here's the reality, friends. Powerlessness. Your days are not going to be marked by Moses and Elijah turning up. You would just become so weird, you wouldn't even fit into this church. You are not going to see clouds. In 30 years, I've heard the audible voice of God three times, even though nobody else heard it, call me weird, but every major instruction including my calling from professional catering into the ministry, came with a voice of God. But if you go, wow, pastor, you must be amazing. No, that's one every 10 years. Voice of God once every decade. Holy Spirit every day, voice of God every 10 years. Is it okay if we talk real? All right, nobody trusts a pastor that's always right, by the way. Everybody trusts a pastor that's always real. Hello. And so they get to the bottom of the mountain and what is the infighting, jealousy, things breaking out, powerlessness, you couldn't even do this. That's the real world. I woke up this morning with a great big feeling of ordinariness. So did you. Stop looking around at the church and go, wow, I wish I was all amazing like all those people who float around in our church. Now, please don't be like them. You'll never reach anybody. Nobody will come to Twisted because of you because they'll think you are twisted. <laughs> be real. Yes, drink coffee. Be real. Pay your bills. Drive a car. Get married. Whatever you got to do, be real with Jesus in you. 
All right, some of you appreciate it. So here we go. I'm going to give you three points. Are you ready? Jesus didn't allow them to build on the mountain. But I believe we should build in the valley. Now call me different, strange, weird, or just British. But my greatest help comes from what I preach to myself. You see, most people say, oh, Pastor Mark preaches to everybody else. No, no, no. Let me tell you the reality. I spend most of my time preaching to me. Because I'm the most difficult problem I have in my life. Me. My biggest problem is not my wife or my kids or my grandkids or the church. I mean, all of that put together, that's enough for any man. Don't you dare laugh. But in reality, my biggest problem is me. Because I know what goes on inside of me. I feel right now completely unqualified to speak to you. You say, but 30 years? Yeah. But you know, I found this. People say, oh, he's got 30 years experience. Do you know, I may have only had one year experience. I've just repeated it 30 times. <laughs> Be careful that you don't do that. Point number one. Are you ready? Build yourself a tent in the valley that every day you can go to. And the first tent, this is what you need to say. Jesus is with me. Preach it to yourself every day. Jesus is with me. They'd just seen Moses, Elijah, voice of God, cloud, bright clothes. Wow, we want to stay here. No, you can't stay here. This is not your address. Go back down. So at the bottom, build you. Oh, Pastor Mark, I'm at rock bottom. That's brilliant. Jesus is the rock at the bottom. That's where you meet him best. That's where you're going to grow most. And they looked around. Oh, Moses. Oh, they've all gone. I've looked around in my life, friends, and nobody was there. Only Jesus. If you've been let down, you looked around, your husband had gone. You looked around, guys, and your wife had gone. And they took the kids. Have you looked around at your bank account lately and the money's gone? Mm -hmm. And your health's gone. And your friends have gone. And the people that you thought you could rely on, you looked around and saw no one. Little story about when we first started pastoring our church. Our church started in 1810. And uh, uh, no, it's, that's not a joke. That's true. I mean, you can see I was there from the start. But uh, and it was an old, tiny little Baptist chapel, seated just about 150, 180 people. I used to be the church organist there, and I grew up in there. That's where my parents, my great grandparents, and in a tiny little town. We built after I'd been the pastor for a couple of years. We built an extension, or started to build an extension. And I needed just 
a few weeks into the extension, some money. It wasn't a huge, I wish that's all we owed right now, but it's time to move on. It was tens of thousands then, and now it's millions. And on this one day, I owed something. It was like 30,000 quid, pounds. And the village that we lived, the bank was just over the road from the church. And I'm thinking, oh, where are we going to get this money from? And so I thought, I've got a bright idea. I'm full of bright ideas. And I went over the road to the bank and I, I said, can I see the manager, please? Yes, come through. And I walked into the manager's office. I said, hello, I'm Mark. I'm the pastor of the little church over the road. And I thought they'd go, oh, yeah, brilliant. And then she went, yeah, what do you want? I said, well, yeah, I'm the pastor of the church over the road. Yeah, what, what do you want? I said, listen, I need 30,000 pounds uh, now to pay a bill. So, and we banked our money at that church. No, we banked our money at that bank from the church. And I thought they'd go, yeah, let me just open the till and I'll give you the money. And she said, Mr. Birchall, no, we, it doesn't work like that. I thought, please make it work like that. And I... I left without anything. She said, no, that's impossible. We, we don't do stuff like that. I walked back over to the little chapel like this, depressed down. And I looked over my shoulder and there was nobody there. Only Jesus. That was pretty small. A few short years ago, I needed almost a quarter of a million in eight days. And I looked again and there was nobody there, only Jesus. Friends, I want you to know if you feel nobody's there, they saw no one except Jesus. Friends, you can rely on Him. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll be your friend. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Some of you feel Thanksgiving is coming upon you and you've got nobody to thank at Thanksgiving. The chief pilot of Concord. We know it finished its life years ago now, but the chief pilot of Concord in its heyday was named Roger Bannister, I believe his name was. He had the best job in the world, flying Concorde from New York to England, all over the world. Highest paid passengers in the world. One day he looked out of the cockpit window and realized, you know, I've got all of this and I've got nobody to thank. And he gave his life to Jesus. Maybe you've got nobody to thank. Don't, you're not thankful. Jesus is with me. The second point is this. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Listen to him. Friends, I'm standing here after all these years. And you can completely, utterly rely on him. Completely, utterly rely on him. Listen to him. What is he saying to you? What is he telling you to give? What is he telling you to say? What is he telling you to go? Listen to him. It's amazing that the first thing that happened down the mountain 
was that the man whose son was demon-possessed that we read about, remember? He came running to Jesus. Jesus, your disciples couldn't do anything for me. And then this is what he said. This is the first words of Jesus down the mountain. So the guy says to Jesus, but if you can do anything. And Jesus responds. You can read it for yourself in Mark chapter 9 when you get home. Jesus responds, if you can. Question mark. What do you mean? If you can. Do you realize it's me? I, I created John chapter 1. In Him, the whole world holds itself together by Him. He's the first and the last. He created, He holds the world in the power, in the palm of His hands. He flung stars into space. I love the Psalms when He says, He also made the stars. Just did that. Just like that. Myriads of galaxies. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible to those who believe. Friends, I believe that God put me on this planet to help raise the temperature of faith in this world and in this service so that you too can believe in the Jesus, if you'll listen to Him, the Jesus of the Bible. One of the dumbest prayers that you and I can ever pray is, Lord, if you could help me out. No, don't you realize you're talking to the creator of the universe. Don't say if. That's a dumb prayer. He can. He will. He's on your case right now. Some prayers I've prayed, I've prayed them for four years. From day one to the day of our building took 17 years of my life. You say, yeah, you look pretty slow. 17 years of prayer before ever a brick was laid. And then the final thing. Are you ready? It's coming to land. Oh, it's gone into red, which is never good on a bank statement. People are not my enemy. Let me just quickly make this point. It's amazing the disciples couldn't help a young boy by getting him delivered. Yet the first thing that happens on the valley floor is this. Jesus, we noticed a guy over there who is casting out demons. Isn't it amazing we criticize people for doing what we can't do? Build yourself a tent. Jesus is with me. Go there every day. Build yourself a tent. Listen to Him every day. Build yourself a tent. Number three, this world is not your enemy. People are not my enemy. And Jesus said these words. Guys, listen carefully. If this guy is not against us, he's for us. Let him carry on. They said, but he's not with us. He's not one of our crowd. He's not from C3. He's not against us, He's for us. And this is what we typically do. Solomon said this in the book of Proverbs. People open their doors and go, there's a lion in the streets. No, there isn't. It's in San Diego Zoo. We open the door and go, oh, I'm afraid to go out all those unbelieving people out there. Hey, this world, the culture, the values may be your enemy, but people are your friends. People are your friends. And I want to end this service by saying this. A lady in our church, her name, her real name is Queen. 
She was brought up in Africa and her mother called her ugly. So she changed her name to Queen. So we have the Queen in our church. And Queen finds herself a new job. She's in our church, one of our pastoral leaders here. Beautiful family. She goes just three months ago, gets herself a new job. I said, Queen, how did it go? Oh, Pastor Mark, it's amazing. I love to work again. She said, but there's a lady there who on the first day said this to me, Queen, I don't like you. And this is what Queen said. Well, let me tell you, by the time I'm finished, I will be your best friend. And friends, we see people as our enemy. Oh, be careful, be careful, be careful where you go. Be careful. Hey, stop it. Stop being so silly. People are real. You're real. They are real. They need Jesus. Do you know within a month, the lady who didn't like Queen sees Queen coming to work. Queen, you are my best friend. I love you, Queen. You are my best friend. Let's stand together, shall we, this morning. you don't know Jesus, I'm going to lead you in no prayer. Just bow your head, close your eyes. Just to shut everybody else out. It's not religious. This is for you. I'm going to pray a prayer. Very simple. I want you in your heart to echo that prayer if it's for you. Dear Jesus, I thank you for this day that you have promised to be with me. But today, Jesus, I don't just want you to be with me. I want to know you. Like Pastor Mark is talking about, I want to know you for myself. Jesus, I invite you into my life, my world, my marriage, my family. Everything about me, I want to know you. Please step into my life. Be my Lord, my leader, my Savior. I'm sorry for the way I've gone. I've been against you. I've said wrong things, done stuff. It's called sin. Today I turn away from that and I give you my heart in the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com. 